This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon and welcome to Enterprise Biz Bites. My name is Rich Bradbury. It is Friday, the uh, 7th of July. It's around 12.06 here in the studio. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about the rise and continuing rise of co-working spaces. Now, uh, they've seen traction with gig workers, freelancers, small startups, and as well as MSMEs. But we're noticing now that even large companies and even MNCs are, are working with co-working players. Now, they seem to be acting more and more as this new middleman between property owners and businesses who are looking for office space. Um, in some chats that we've had recently with uh, industry players, this narrative seems to be that this is because businesses don't want to have to manage their own office spaces. Uh, and for those with existing facilities and offices, they don't want to expand their office's footprint. So in a lot of ways, co-working spaces look a little bit like hoteliers. They don't own the property asset, but they curate and create an experience that fits the needs of the target market. If you have any thoughts on this topic and the role and relevance of co-working spaces here in Malaysia, do get in touch via our U-Mobile WhatsApp number. It is 018-789-8899. Of course, you can get us on Twitter. We are at BFM Radio. Now, in the studio with me today, uh, we've got some industry players, of course. I've just been talking about that. Andrew Yao, the co-founder and CFO of Work, and Justin Tung, the biz- he's with Business Development with Colony Co-working Spaces. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you, Richard. Hi. Well, don't be shy. Jump in. How are you both? <laughs> good, good. Friday, Thanks. what have you got sorted out for Friday, Andrew? Um, we just got back from a trip from uh, San Francisco, so we've been going around visiting spaces all around, and it's very good to see that, uh, you know, I think all around the world, co-working is growing very rapidly. And we do see, uh, you know, many entrepreneurs that we talk to, they've, uh, they really value coming into a shared space with the community and having that sort of, uh, what you call it, uh, support from people around the mm-hmm. shared learnings. I think that's really a big part of uh, why we started this business. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think in Malaysia, I think since we've been running for six years, we do see a lot of... Uh, you know, entrepreneurs, they come up and they say that, oh, they wish they had this like, you know, 10 years ago when they started the business. Yeah. Yeah. Justin, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Yeah, it's a good Friday. Really excited to be on BFM. Uh Um, Yeah, I think it's an exciting time for the industry, right? Um, Lots of growth. Yeah. Uh, I think the industry as a whole is trying to elevate the experience at work. Right, um, and that's that's a good mission that we we're all working on together. Okay, now w- w- as I mentioned in, in that kind of startup, then we we've seen traction with gig workers, freelancers, small startups, as well as MSMEs, but now we're even seeing you know larger companies working with co-working players. Uh, are you both seeing this? Uh, and uh, if if so, why do you think this is the case? Let's start with you, Justin. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a trend that we're seeing, right? Uh, more and more larger companies mm. coming into co-working spaces. Um, so I can give you an example. Uh, our largest customer is Carsum. So okay. we actually do yep. their, their headquarters for them. Uh, close to 600 people there, right? Um, our second largest is Respond.io, right? So they're not exactly MNCs, but mm. they're pretty large They're pretty scale-ups. big though, yeah. Yeah, yeah. right? Um, so we finance, design, build, and operate their, their headquarters, right? And I think the second part of that question was why. Mm-hmm. Why are they coming? Mm-hmm. Why, why, why are these companies coming? 
and I'll put it down to three reasons, right? The, f- the first one is to focus on their core business, right? Um, and they achieve this by essentially subscribing to co-working spaces, which is basically an office as a service, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And so it takes away some of the worries, you know? Yes. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite hard, right? Uh, but I think it's mainly appealing because setting up your office is actually pretty difficult, mm-hmm. you know? You've got to right, uh, source the right building, the right space, uh, find the right contractors, mm. engineers, architects to do it. Uh, you got to procure, do procurement for vendors and supplies, right? Uh, you got to do maintenance. You got to pay all the bills, right? Uh, so it's it's quite complicated, right? Um, and it's kind of distracting. Mm. So that's where I, f- I feel co-working operators add value, right? right, right you focus right. on your core biz, and we'll take care of everything else. Yeah, and I think adding on to what uh, Justin mentioned, um, apart from the headache of Run, uh, building out an office and managing an office. Uh, a big reason why corporates, uh, large and small, are using co-working spaces is actually for agility and flexibility. Right. right? I think yeah. the economic environment nowadays is pretty dynamic. Right. I think on a year-to-year basis, uh, you know, uh, markets change, the economies change, and many of the companies they want to be positioned to be able to uh, essentially adapt to the environment. And even large companies nowadays, they don't have a as long of a business planning cycle as mm. they had in the past. Mm. Uh, many of the clients that we talk to, um, they're actually looking at probably, a, I would say, a two years sort of horizon. So they have an idea about where their headcount is going this year and next year. But past the two years, they are not really too sure where that mm. goes. And mm. that's where by having some co-working in their real estate portfolio, they can have a right balance between uh, stability and flexibility. Mm-hmm. And I think the other big thing is also talking about um, we are uh, office as a platform, like as a service. And many foreign firms or even local firms, they don't have the luxury of having you know office just be there on the spot. And we help to fill that gap where if tomorrow suddenly they said, I want to set up a new team, 50 people, where do I put them? They don't want to have the headache of where does that go, right? It's right. like, just talk to the co-working space. I have my space ready. You can come in. Or if you need something customized for you, it could be as short as one month or two months. We get it up for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the beauty where um, we are very customer-centric and able to really like look at you know certain clients. Uh, you, you might be surprised. There are so many different clients we have spoken to where each of them have a different need and we are much more able to, um, in a way, customize that compared to your traditional landlord. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where the landlords see value in us as well, where if a client comes along and gives this like complicated requirement, the landlord is also not really you know, off the appetite to go and do it. So they'll be like, oh, mm-hmm. if you need something like that, please talk to our partner, you know, like work, right? Then they can help you close that gap. Right. So I think mm-hmm. we play a very critical role in terms of um, filling up a lot of the, you know, uh, what you call it? Uh, inventory of offices in the market. Yeah. You do hear that there's a lot of spaces around, yeah. but we are able to come in and you know add in all these value-added services so that uh, you know clients really get what they need. Right. Yeah. Okay, so uh, um, a few minutes ago, Justin, you, you were talking about some of the, the people, the clients that you have already. Mm-hmm. Let's kind of can you give me a breakdown of, of, and this is for both of you as well. You know the kind of clients that you have coming in, the split between SMEs, startups, MNCs. What would you say it is roughly percentage-wise? Um. To, to be honest, I don't have the exact breakdown in terms of percentages. It doesn't have to be exact. Right? Yeah. Uh, but what I can tell you is we probably have about 10 to 20 MNCs, right? right? Uh, and hundreds of smaller companies, right? Uh, having said that, in terms of our inventory or 
the total number of workstations, right? The guys or our customers who occupy the most is actually the two largest, which actually make up about 30 to 40% mm, of mm. all the the workstations wow. occupied. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then we have everything below that from, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, up to 100 packs teams, mm-hmm. right? Uh, all the way to like freelancers, mm-hmm. one packs, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so we got a good mix. It's right? a good mix. Yeah. Mm. Um, and yeah, we, we tend to go into the different classifications of the businesses according to size MNC startup, right? Uh, but on the other hand, we do have MNC such as like FIFA, right? As in the World Cup FIFA. So big MNC, right? A uh, thousand employees in over like 60 countries. But with us, they only have like 24 workstations, right? So for us, it's not so much about like, you know, how yeah. big you are, how international you are, but it's, uh, well, how many workstations you occupy. Basically. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Is it a similar kind of split for you guys um, over at work? Uh, so we actually have a bit of a, I mean, so we, we track something similar to what Justin talks about. Um, but for us, uh, we do keep track of who the parent companies, whether they take one work desk with us or a hundred work desk with us. Uh, why that's important is because I think uh, based on the nature of the client, they are, they, you know, the, the so-called our package to them is a bit different and what can we do for them. So on the topic of how much uh, do corporates make up in our business? So MNCs and corporates uh, to us are about 60% of our business today. That has grown significantly since uh, the pandemic, right? Pre-pandemic, we were doing about 10 to 20% corporate business, but we've seen a lot of corporates embrace hybrid working, embrace flexible working. And I think that trend has, in fact, I would say accelerated post-pandemic now. Right. Um, so, uh, but I think to give it a bit of fairness, uh, the SME and startup business for us is also rapidly growing. So we do see both uh, sides of it growing in the economy. Economy, but I think the, the the big pickup in enterprise is really I think uh, something new there. Yeah, and um, t- touching on I think uh, enterprise clients, I think uh, you know Justin talked about some of the startups, but I, I think what we see are seeing is that it's actually pretty broad based among all kinds of industries. Mm-hmm. FIFA, I mean, he mentioned like we have you know uh, large global tech companies, we have large like media companies, a lot of financial institutions use our spaces as well, from banks to insurers. So, and I think for many of these guys, as a large corporate, they have a lot of internal bureaucracy when it comes to deploying budgets and deploying spaces. And that's where I think when we are uh, part of their supply chain, um, they have that sort of like, again, flexibility where, you know, they don't need to wait one year for a long sort of like approval budgeting process and getting that out. And just through us within a month, we can get it there. So I think that's really, you know, the, the, the mix of I think mm-hmm. how enterprises are picking up. Great. Hold those thoughts. We need to take a short break. Uh, folks on today's BizBytes, uh, BizBytes, we're exploring the role and relevance of co-working spaces in the office space landscape here in Malaysia, why businesses are outsourcing office management to them, and the overall value proposition for businesses of all sizes. If you want to jump in on this conversation, get us via our WhatsApp, U-Mobile WhatsApp number 018789. You can also drop us a tweet, of course. We're at BFM Radio. I'm here with Andrew Yao, the co-founder and CFO of Work. Justin Tung for business development for Colony Co-working Spaces. We'll be right back after these messages and some music. It is the lightning seeds with Ready or Not in just a couple minutes. BFM 89.9. Benchmark for Managers, BFM 89.9. 
Welcome back to Enterprise BizBytes. My name is Rich Bradbury. Of course, today we're exploring the role and uh, relevance of co-working spaces in the office space landscape here in Malaysia, why businesses are outsourcing office management to them, and the overall value proposition for businesses of all sizes and helping me along with this conversation are a couple of industry players. Of course, I have Andrew Yao, the co-founder and CFO of Work and Justin Tung. He's with Business Development for Colony Co-working Spaces. If you want to jump in and add something to this conversation. 018-789-8899 is the U-Mobile WhatsApp number. Of course, you can get us on Twitter. We're at BFM Radio. I'm sure we're going to have a threads handle at some point as well. I think we already do. I don't want to have to check any more screens though right now, so let's just stick with those few that we've got already. Now, uh, fellas, um, there is this oversupply of office space that we've already been discussing about a little bit earlier on. Mm. Uh, and there's always more coming in. There's always more and more office space. If you look around the Klang Valley, there's all these uh, uh, spaces popping up. Um, now, this is because of these, uh, this narrative that because business spaces don't want to have to manage their own office spaces, the traditional office spaces for these existing facilities. Now, are you hearing this not just from the companies that are coming in, but from the customers as well? Yes. So um, I just give an example. So we recently uh, are servicing like uh, one is like global tech companies. Yeah. And, um, you know, they are pretty, I would say, financially rich. Right. And for them, it's not a difficulty of that they can't get their own office space. But again, it's that they want the speed and convenience of, uh, of you know, uh, to, to, to roll out. They want and to be nimble. They want to be nimble. Yeah. And um, that's where I think when you look at, uh, you know, people talk about office oversupply and sort of like, you know, how are we going to like fill it up? I think what's important to see is that to always be very customer centric and look at where what do the customers, uh, are they really looking for, right? Are they looking for an empty office where they go mm. in, spend a couple million in fit outs and then, you know, sign a long term lease I think um, that market is there but there is this growing market where you know people just like convenience and speed and it's not really something that you know if they have to pay a bit of a premium for it they're more than happy to mm. so I think that's where um, the market in Malaysia of coking is still very small right we only have one percent of the office inventory in the market as ready for on-demand co-working flexible but when you look on the demand side Globally, for most cities in the world, almost 20% of office demand is going to co-working today, whether that's in London, in New York, in most major cities in the world. So there is a mismatch between where demand is heading to and what is provided on the market. And that's where I think, you know, operators like Colony and ourselves, mm. we are here to basically, you know, create these concepts, create these services and, you know, really give the clients more choices in terms of where can they go. And I think um, with 1%, um, penetration rate in KL. We are one of the lowest in the region. Most other cities in Asia are up to 3% already. So there's a lot of catching up to do. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, that's where uh, th there are many different needs as well when you talk about co-working, right? Uh, you know, we are putting a lot about uh, community content, affordability, speed. So that's like one of our like USPs. Uh, and I think there will be many different, uh, you know, players that can feel just like in the hotel industry, mm -hmm. right? You have like five-star hotels and, you know, different concepts in, at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. So I think that's uh, something we see. Yeah. Justin, what about you? Yeah, definitely there's an oversupply issue in terms of office, right? Um, and I think as Andrew mentioned, a big part of it is a mismatch in in the supply and the mm, demand, right? Mm. Especially on the demand side, right? Uh, customers' needs are, are changing, they're shifting, right? Uh, so with COVID and work from home, right? Uh, the introduction of hybrid work models, right? 
Um, so yeah, maybe maybe a business decided I don't need my office anymore. Everyone's going to work from home, right? right? Oversupply problem. Yeah. Right. Uh, or maybe they do a model where half the team comes in one week, and another, uh, and the second half comes in the following week. Right. So now for the same team size, you need just half the space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oversupply problem. Right. Um, or maybe they have a hybrid working model. Right. So you work from home half the time. And the other times, maybe you go into a co-working space because it doesn't really make sense to have your own office with the team coming mm. only half the time, mm. right? So again, uh, give up the old office, oversupply problem, right? Um, I also think there's maybe a mismatch in terms of demand and supply in terms of location. So for example, if you look at like KL Central, super high demand. Super high rent. Super high rent, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and in spite of that, right, very, very little supply, right? Yeah, um, yeah. If at all, um, any is still available, right? Compare that to, let's say, the KL City Center area, mm. right, where supply demand is nowhere catching up with mm. the supply there, right? A big oversupply mm. issue. So, yeah, I think these are the factors that sort of, like, contribute to the oversupply. Okay, let's skip ahead a little bit then. Uh, and um, one of the kind of key value propositions is that you know, businesses don't have to worry about uh, doing up, maintaining their office spaces. Uh, but, but what about stuff like networking and community? That that was the big thing that kind of originally got co-working spaces up and running. That was the why people wanted to use them. How material now is that as a selling point for co-working spaces? Is it still as important now as it was when these you know when it first started? Yes, I think uh, for us, you know, that was the brand butter, how we started the business, right. right? It was a very community-centric and, you know, at work, one of the things we always talk to the team is that what we hope to do at work is to help people prosper by working together. Yeah. So by creating this space and breaking down barriers, so we do a lot of like icebreaking, a lot of uh, connecting people. And I think that's really the value add on top of just real estate, right? Mm. I think the real estate is something we provide there, but what we hope to really achieve is actually to build a sense of uh, friendliness, networking, so that whether you are local, right, say, Tamantun here, right? You can meet like-minded people around you. Uh, but even when other people come here, right? If you're flying down from Bangkok, if you're coming in from Penang, and you just want to, you know, touch base and get to know a few people, we want to create such uh, hubs and spots mm. where you can easily go in, you know, for one day and you know just get a lay of the land. And I think that's really one of the. Um, I would say, uh, particularly for SMEs, small businesses and freelancers, no digital nomads, these are one of the key uh, attraction points for them. As you go more to the corporate realm, then community plays a lesser role, but it evolves a bit towards, I would say, uh, employee wellness. So for the corporate, they're not thinking so much about networking and things like that, but more about how can I enhance my workplace experience? How can I attract Gen Z talent that is looking for a more vibrant workspace? So there is a lot of overlap between a vibrant community and also uh, so-called a better workplace experience. And for us at work, um, we look at it all together in the same space, meaning that when we bring corporates into the space, when we bring community into the space, they actually feed off each other yeah. and that creates that kind of uh, synergy that we uh, are looking to create. So yeah. it is still very important uh, today and we continue to actually invest a lot in enhancing that. Yeah, Justin, what about you? Is, is it still as important for you guys? Um, to be honest, right, it takes a, a, a lesser, bit of a lesser role for us. I mean, building a community that loves using your space mm. is definitely a must mm. for like co-working success, right? Um but there are many ways to do it. And yeah, we do do the, the community events around the festive periods, right? People get to network, meet each other. And definitely within co-working spaces, because it's a shared space, right? Uh, there is a greater networking effect versus 
just being isolated in your own office, right? Uh, but at Colony, we tend to focus more on hospitality, right? Um, and our customers and community like loves that, right? Um, and that's that's like bringing hospitality into into the work life, like Andrew mentioned, employee wellness, mm. right? Um, and how that looks for us, right, is, and, and big credits to our operations team, uh, they really focus on taking care of, of our guests. We don't even call them customers, it's guests. Okay. Right? Um, and that means like, you know, getting you a Starbucks coffee on a, on a morning where you're just too busy to get one, you know? Or helping you change your punctured car tire uh, so you can get to an appointment in time, right? Uh, or, but that's, even, that's also community building as well. I'd argue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just um, in a different sense, right? right? Focus okay. on hospitality. We even had one one customer who left his laptop in our office, and he went to Langkawi Island uh, for a meeting. Uh-huh. Maybe he was just sick of working. Maybe, <laughs> <laughs> but but he needed it, right? And so we actually sent sent uh, one of my colleagues actually went right. over there just to deliver his laptop to them. That's that's good customer service. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so our customers loved uh, loves that. You know, like who does that for you? Right, right. Like yeah. So that's one of the ways we provide hospitality to our customers. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, moving uh, a little bit along as well is uh, Andrew. Work expansion um, seems to prioritize access to public transportation, uh, and with all of your venues, one way or another connected to an LRT or an MRT or you know, so it's great accessibility. Um, has it also allowed you to add value to your clients in other ways then? Uh, yes, so that's a very conscious uh, effort on our part. Um, I think why we have a lot of uh, accessibility for our sites is that um, when we set out to build co-working apart from building community, we really wanted to build what we call a very convenient to uh, and low, uh, convenient and affordable sort of uh, office network. And when you talk about office network, right, because how we look at it is that our core clients have their own headquarters somewhere. Um, some of them will use us for headquarters, but many of them don't, right? They have mm. a headquarters somewhere mm. and they may use satellite offices with us. And for it to be a satellite office, it needs to be very convenient for them so that, you know, uh, if they have an office in Golden Triangle, they can actually have, you know, places near all their workers' homes in Tamantun, in Subang, or maybe even uh, for us, we're even looking at, say, tier two, tier three cities, right? So if we have a spot, say, in Seremban, then people don't need to commute here. And, you know, I meet a lot of people who are like, I can't believe they make, you know, such a long commute. And it's difficult, right, if you're commuting yeah. from Suriname to KL every day. Yeah. But, you know, we want to, our vision is that we can have a co-working hub and, uh, all around town, right, so that I would say maybe five minutes away from wherever you live, there should be a place that you can drop in. So you have the best of both worlds where there is an office space to drop into. There's a community to plug into as well. And you have your own core office that you can go to. So it's a bit of a complementary service. So as we scale this network, um, that's where, uh, accessibility is a very key part of uh, how we go to cities. Mm. Um, but uh, as we grow further, of course, there will be sites that are less accessible. But the core is that there will be places to plug into. So like KL Central is a good example. It's our main train hub. Uh, you know, Justin talked about demand and, you know, we just opened and we have we are fully filled and we are, in fact, looking to expand our spaces, uh, in fact, uh, at more spaces. So that chaos center side is very strategic for us because all our clients, whether they're taking business meetings, whether they're hosting foreign uh, delegates, right, they just easily go into the space. But they are 
where they take their membership with us is not in Kiao Central. They actually are taking maybe a space in, uh, you know, in Damansara, mm, let's just say. Mm, mm, yeah. Okay. We need to take a short break. But when we come back, I have a bunch more questions for the two of you anyway, so don't go anywhere. Uh, folks, of course, we are talking about co-working spaces today. Uh, we're exploring the role and relevance of co-working spaces in the office space landscape here in Malaysia, why businesses are outsourcing office management to them, and the overall value proposition for businesses of all sizes. If you have any questions for us, get us via our U-Mobile WhatsApp number, 018-789-8899. Get us on Twitter, at BFM Radio. As you might hear, I am flying solo today. No Roshan with me, but he has just dropped us a WhatsApp message saying, you're all sounding good, gents. Ah, oh, bless him. We'll be right back after these messages here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Birkins for Mama. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back to Enterprise BizBytes. My name is Rich Bradbury. This, of course, is Enterprise BizBytes, and we are talking about uh, co-working spaces. Um, in the studio with me is Andrew Yao. He's the co-founder and CFO of Work, and Justin Tung from... Uh, co- is this Tung, right? Uh, My tongue, pre- tongue, tongue, tongue. tongue from <laughs> Colony Co-working Space. I just want to make sure I'm getting it right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, if you have anything to uh, say to us via our U-Mobile WhatsApp number, you know the number by now, 018-789-8899. Uh, get us on Twitter, of course. We're also at BFM Radio. Um, let's, let's just rewind a little bit. Uh, we, we've got a little bit of time. and I think one of the, the, the major questions I, I want to ask and address is how – your business has kind of changed and evolved over the last few years and since your beginning. And of course, in the middle of half of this, we were locked away. Uh, There was a pandemic. There was all kinds of stuff happening. So these changes had to be swift. They could actually have been quite merciless, you know, depending on where you sat and what you did. Mm. Um, Let's start with uh, you, Justin. Uh, How have things changed since you guys started? Right. I'm sorry, but this has got to be fairly quick. You know, the two of us. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, we started in 2017 and we grew quite quickly uh, mm. to five centers in uh, by 2019, right? Um, and then COVID hit, yeah. right? And I think COVID for co-working is like the ultimate stress test. Correct. Right? Everyone locked down, you can't go to the office, yeah. right? Which is essentially the business, right? Um, so much so that we actually had to close down one of our centers in KL Central. Kind of ironic because I just said that's the hot area, yeah. right? <laughs> Um, but but in that downtime during mm. COVID, we actually studied the weaknesses um, of the co-working model, right? And we sort of learned two things. One, additional revenue streams are super important, right? Um, and for us, that took the form of events, right? right? Ah, right. Yeah. yeah. So we actually do high-end events in our in our spaces. Uh, anything from big brands like Dior or Chanel doing a training or their flagship event. Uh, all the way to even weddings, mm-hmm. right? We have a ballroom in one of our spaces. So people are actually getting married in a co-working space, right? Interesting. Yeah, we had to get creative, yeah. right? Um, the second learning was that looking at costs then, right? Rental uh, and salaries uh, for the teams running the spaces are two of the, the highest costs for a co-working business, right? Uh, and and so we actually launched a, a new brand called Jerry, right? An affordable co-working brand uh, where we went into like grade B office buildings and shop lots, which brought the rental down, right? Uh, and we actually invested in our own proprietary system called Tom. So Tom and Jerry, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, which automated a lot of the processes um, that... 
from bookings to operations, right, to touring. And basically that allowed us to have like a self-service model with no staff on site, mm. right? Bringing the salaries at the center level like completely down. Smart. Right? Mm. Um, so yeah, you know, like we had to make those pivots to to sort of sustain and grow. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like what? Uh, I think, uh, so for us, our experience in terms of evolution since we started um, was a bit um, less shaky in a way. All right. I think, uh, and part of, I think what made us strong when I compare with, uh, you know, you know, co-working models globally, right, um, is that we, you know, Stephanie, uh, my co-founder, she came from a real estate background and we actually implement a lot of, I would say, uh, practices from the real estate industry that I think has helped us a lot. And uh, these are things that, uh, you know, simple things about like uh, talking about like cost discipline, about, uh, you know, finding the right market. So um, one unique thing about us is that we have actually been profitable since day one, right? The first location that we opened in Tamantun, um, in two months, we got it fully filled and we were cash flow positive by then. So and every location since then, we have been basically filling it up within two months from opening. So I think that profitability that we create by each side helps us to finance our growth. And I think many people may not know that even though uh, the pandemic was a difficult period, uh, but we were actually still cash flow positive even throughout the pandemic. So I think that was something that many of our investors recognized. And when they compared, they were uh, pretty happy. And that's where I think they're also helping us to basically fund basically the continued growth. Um, one thing I think, uh, you know, Justin was talking about, uh, you know, how to improve efficiencies, how to improve experiences. Mm. So uh, we are also looking at, you know, ways to basically scale, uh, you know, things like self-service and automated. Um, but I think uh, because one of our core DNAs is community, I think that side of it makes it a bit harder for us to go too low touch. So what happens in our networks is that we have different concepts of spaces. So we have co-working spaces that are more community centric and that's the places you can go to to meet people. And then there will be other places that are more light where it's not so focused on community but more focused on a drop-in sort of access. So I think uh, ultimately what forms in our network is that there are many different concepts like uh, of real estate for use and we're happy for that because uh, ultimately every customer has its own choice right and uh, so in a nutshell what I'm just saying is that our community model of co-working continues to grow and it's profitable so we're still expanding on that Uh, but we are introducing more lines of services whether it's to corporate clients so that's uh, you know they have a lot of like value add services that they're looking for and uh, also you know things like uh more, more self-service sort of like models. Mm. So I think this is all part and parcel of the... We'll come back to that in a minute. Uh, well, because I, I want to talk about kind of growth prospects and, and what you're going to be doing next and how, um, where you see yourselves in, in I don't want to say one year's time, two years' time, because everybody does that. You know, if, if we're looking at stuff like we've been talking about AI for the past few weeks and a few months and technology is changing so quickly and everything is changing so quickly right now. Let's talk about the, the kind of path ahead, uh, and let's just look short term right now. Let's look at maybe six months a year. You know, where do you guys at Colony see yourselves in, in six months to a year's time? What do you think is going to be different? Is there anything drastically going to be different, or is it like things are working out right now? We've just kind of recovered from that jellied mess of of, of the pandemic, and we want to just kind of see our way through it. Or are you? I don't want you to give your trade secrets away, obviously. You know, <laughs> well, I, I do, because it'll make great radio. But, you know, um, where do you see yourselves and what's, what's happening over the next few months? Right. Um, I mean, yeah, you know, the past two years were, for us have been great, right? 2022 was a great year. We were actually uh, net profitable yeah. on a gap basis, right? Yeah. And, and, and so it's great, right? We're breaking all-time highs and performing. So we'll definitely be continuing what we've been doing, right? Uh, for us, our, our new brand, Jerry, the affordable co-working brand, that's where we, we see a lot of potential, 
Is that where you'll be focusing, do you think, over the next? Yes, yeah, okay. most definitely. We'll yeah. still grow um, Colony organically. Um, and actually, we're, we're using the profits generated from Colony to fund Jerry's expansion. Right. Right. Um, but the opportunity with Jerry is to bring co-working to the masses. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, it's also a way to potentially solve the oversupply problem or at least help with it by creating a new pool of customers that perhaps previously didn't uh, couldn't afford or didn't want to didn't consider going to a co-working space let me let me just jump in on that point do you think then and this kind of goes for both of you as well and you uh, you can answer in a little while whether or not some people just didn't want to do co-working because they saw it as something that was kind of you know for a different kind of client you know or a different kind of person they they maybe saw it as a bit too atas you know <laughs> for some people to use a phrase to, to kind of jump on a phrase yeah i i, I think there's definitely a bit of that perception, especially if they haven't been, right? Yeah. They're like, oh, this is some new new school It's in thing. a fancy building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fancy yeah. building, right? Um, but I think that perception is slowly changing, right? Yeah. Um, especially like with the industry growing, right? As getting on BFM, doing interviews, yeah. right? Um, and the more people learn about it, they start to realize that that it's much, there are a lot of benefits to doing it. You know, mm. like where else can you get a, a office space for, you know, one packs, two packs, four packs, right? Um, the closest thing you have is maybe like renting a small shop lot, yeah. right? Which might be way too big, yeah. right? If you're a small team, yeah. right? Um, and so co-working actually helps enable that, you know, bringing these um, almost like unrentables. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, with services that they can actually afford and rent. Great. Yeah. Okay. Let's. Yeah, I'll, I'll touch a bit on affordability and then maybe come to about our expansion plans. So uh, on affordability, I think what um, many people don't realize is that although when you look at a cooking space, it looks nice, you know, you have all this free coffee and, you know, a lot of activities and going in. But I think because it is a shared cost, uh, when you break it down, it actually comes out to be pretty equivalent to what you would get outside. Yeah. So just to give an idea, if in Damansara or PJ and you're going to get a shop lot or a Soho unit, you'd easily be paying about two to 3000 in gross rent. But that hasn't taken into account all the you know work and cost that you would take to run the space, right? Getting your internet, getting your electricity bills, fitting out your office. By the time you really add all these things in, easily you'll be spending at least 5000 a month. But for the same 5000 a month, when you come to a co-working space, you can get a private space for for pretty much the same price. Uh, but what's on top of that is you get the entire team supporting you, right? Uh, whether it's in hospitality, whether it's in business connections, whether it's, you know, simple things even like changing the bulb and fixing the internet. People take it for granted, but like at work, we have a full grade IT enterprise team. So we have dual feeder, like firewalls and backups. So our internet never goes down, right? And that's why banks and other institutions use our space because they are, you know, uh, they, they basically trust that we keep the system running for them. And that's the headache outsourcing part. But coming back to, I think, uh, the space, uh, we are actually even able to cost it down as low as, let's just say, 100 ringgit per person, right? And that's true, things like hybrid working and letting people sort of drop in, drop out. So I think there is a format for all kinds of users, whether they need private space or whether they need, like, flexible space. And I think that's... Uh, you know, um, we see many companies companies embracing it. Uh, this kind of a uh, flexible working. One of the clients that we were working with uh, in recent times, they had two hundred seater office before the pandemic, and after the pandemic, they are on hybrid working now. So they've actually sliced down the office by like seventy five percent to like fifty desks, and that's a very tremendous drop. And yeah. when they do that, that's where 
they use co-working spaces to fill up that sort of like swing demand. So I think these are the type of like evolution in like work styles that companies are going through. And it's really like, you know, we are in a very prime position to help all these clients make that transition. Um, so that's in terms of affordability. Mm-hmm. In terms of growth of our business, um, this year is pretty exciting, right? We just came out from the pandemic. Our numbers are kicking in very strongly, right? So we're also running a PAT positive this year. And uh, what's happened is that uh, we started the year at 97,000 square feet. So we're actually on track to double up our size this year. And we're looking to go up about three times in the next two years. So that's in terms of our core co-working business. Uh, apart from that, uh, we're also looking at new models like uh, that is uh, complementary to our space. So the we had a new site launch in Pahantia that's uh, Alunan. So that's a partnership with a hotel. You just right? dropped that to like encourage me to go to the Parentian. <laughs> you say your internet never goes out, right? Like- uh, Even yes. the Parentians? Uh, well, so the Parentians is a bit different. So uh, for that one, uh, it's not our core office, but it's you get high-speed internet on the island, which okay. we never, like, okay. that was something that, you know, we, we, we used to travel, like, to some of these islands, and, you know, internet is, like, can be horrendous sometimes. Mm. And we, you know, we basically got it set up, so you, you, you get that there, right? And I think that's really the differentiation, right? You need to get a video call, you can go to you, our you can go, oh, work in front brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. Okay, now, just before we wrap up, we've got uh, around two minutes left. And I, I, we were outside the studio, and, and this kind of goes for both of you as well. And, and Stephanie was, was sat outside talking about, you know, the idea of nation building, bringing people back in, into... Uh, she, she wants to grab the microphone. We're not going to allow that. Uh, yeah, you know... Bringing people back into Malaysia and encouraging them, you know, to, to, to kind of give back to the community a little bit. How can, you know, these working spaces that you guys are, are working with encourage that? Let, let, let's start with you. Yeah, I think, uh, so uh, maybe I, I touch it maybe a bit, you know, Stephanie, I think she, uh, my co-founder, so she used to work in uh, Silicon Valley for many years, right? And I think over there, co-working is a pretty normal thing. We were just in San Francisco, so there were a lot of these hubs where all the tech people and, you know, all kinds of people mm. come together, brainstorm, and there's really so much value creation that comes out from it, right? I think we are building it from scratch here. So it's still uh, small in Malaysia, but we do believe that I think with the right support and continuous involvement, that that ecosystem will grow. And that's where I think when you talk about ecosystem, bringing in experienced people from other countries, right? Whether it's not just from the US, right? Even from China, from uh, Japan, and, you know, we also went to Japan. And I think this is all the things that when you bring new ideas into the space, then that's when people's, you know, minds open up, right? And I think that's something that we hope to do more. I think one uh, thing also that we're doing at work, people don't realize that the coke industry does is that we actually lower the, the, we make lower the cost of doing business or make, I would say, the ease of doing business. And in our spaces, uh, almost, I would say, 50 to 60% of our clientele are foreign firms that are trying to set up in Southeast Asia or set up in Malaysia. And because we exist, they can easily come to market. Mm. And this actually brings new jobs. It brings uh, new, you know, uh, business economy uh, mm. into the space. And I think as we move to a more global economy, um, it's, I think, pretty important that people plug into the global ecosystem, right? You know, uh, a lot of the people in our space, uh, the how to put it, Malaysia is actually very, like, I think it's a, a, a under sort of like promoted thing where it's very affordable to build your business out of Malaysia. You have a lot of talent here. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just more affordable than running your business out of Singapore. And I think that's why we see a lot of these companies, when they come to South Asia, they go to Singapore. And then they're like, it's so expensive nowadays. And then they come to Malaysia. So mm-hmm. I think if the government and through the co-working industry as well, we promote it more, we can really attract more uh, companies to set up shop here and bring jobs to Malaysia. I think that's uh, one of the things that we are seeing, right? We recently came back from uh, one of the MDAX events, which is trying to attract digital nomads yeah. into Malaysia. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, these are all little bits of things, but I believe that it, it, it's, you know, we play a big role in terms of like helping to, you know, bring people in. Justin, final word on that. 
Yeah, um, I would say in terms of like nation building, for us, we look at it through, through Jerry, right? Um, and providing that sort of upward social mobility, right? Yeah. Um, like I mentioned earlier, uh, the unrentables now being able to to rent their own office spaces, right? And and sort of building on that aspiration for for people that that perhaps, you know, want a better work lifestyle, right? A better workspace, right? Um, but previously, you know, they, they couldn't afford these spaces. And, and so, uh, yeah, in that sense, we can help contribute to nation building, right? Uh, in terms of foreign companies coming in here, yeah, it's definitely way easier to, to go into a co-working space, right? You, you don't have to figure out business premise license, right? Uh, sourcing and procurement and all that, right? Uh, just use our office as a service, right? So I think, yeah, definitely co-working will play a big role in uh, attracting uh, for, foreigners to come here and work, right? And also like uh, expanding the, the job market, mm. essentially. Mm. Justin, Andrew, thank you very much for your time today. Thanks, Richard. Thank you. Thanks, Richard. Folks, um, if you missed any part of this conversation, of course, you can catch the podcast on our website at bfm.my or download the BFM app. You can also find our shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast players. Just search for Enterprise BizBytes. In a couple of minutes, of course, just after the one o'clock news, we do have the Breakfast Grill replay. Uh, Skyworld Development Brahad is an urban developer focusing on the development of high-rise residential and commercial as well as affordable properties and is looking to list on Bursa with an IPO price of 80 ringgit per share. Uh, Now, if you uh, missed that, do tune in after the one o'clock news. My name is Rich Bradbury. Of course, this has been Enterprise Biz Bites. Keep it here on BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.